Pavo is a professional development platform designed to meet learners where they are by providing engaging learning experiences, peer learning opportunities, and coaching. We don't just teach you new concepts, we help you apply those concepts in your day-to-day -day work life. Welcome to Kavu's 16th Minute Podcast. I'm Rebecca Dobrinsky, the product owner for Kavu's content team and the host of the 16th Minute. At Kavu, we use the term 16th Minute for topics that come up during our 15-minute daily scrum but need more of a discussion. It's a great way to let your team know that you need a bit more clarification on something you're working on or simply need some time to talk through an idea. Let's get this episode 16th minute started. Today's guest is Nick Maloof, product education lead at O3 Solutions and an alum of the Kavu Scrum Bootcamp. Nick and I also worked together at a nonprofit a few years ago, and now we'll be chatting about his experience with learning Scrum and how he's applying it in his work. As the product education lead for O3 Solutions, Nick Maloof spends the majority of his time writing software documentation creating educational content, and conducting live training sessions. Nick is also a Scrum Master for the Client Success Team and works with his team members to continuously improve their Scrum process. Outside of work, he spends pretty much all of his time playing D&D and video games. Welcome, Nick. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. So we've talked often about how we work and how we get things done, especially the last time we worked together even sharing books on the subject. So what ultimately interested you in learning about Scrum? So it's a bit roundabout, I guess, but at my first job, project management was offered up to me as a potential career pathway. And so that led me to kind of dive down that rabbit hole, reviewing all the documentation, all the work that goes into creating these elaborate project plans and schedules. You know, in theory, it sounds great because you want to have a pretty holistic idea of what all is going to go on and when it's going to happen. But when mm -hmm. you actually put it to practice, you know, it, it doesn't really hold up to the test. There's so many different factors to account for, and many of them are beyond your control. And so you spend lots of time going back, revising the project plan, revising the project schedule, um, communicating this to your stakeholders. It's just a big jumbled mess. And so I thought to myself, well, I can't be the only one who's having this issue. Turns out I was right. There are many people that tend to have criticisms on the more traditional waterfall style of project planning. And so, you know, people tended to suggest agile as, you know, maybe a counter to some of the issues they were having. So mm -hmm. agile was really what I got into first. What ultimately led me to learn about Scrum was when I started my new job, the one that I'm at now, because we have, you know, Scrum and Agile baked into our, our daily processes. So you and I took the, it was Sagayo at the time, now Kavu Scrum Bootcamp two years ago. Tell me your experience in our bootcamp. Yeah, during peak COVID. <laughs> so first of all, I would highly recommend the bootcamp um, then Sagayo, now Kavu, did a very good job at adapting because it's to my understanding that the bootcamp was not always done in a digital format um, like it no, was a couple of years was, ago. It was originally in person and now we are full digital format. Yeah, and you couldn't tell. Um, they did a great job at adapting these presentations to you know, them being presented in you know, Zoom or Teams um, and then also just being able to quickly switch to their 
you know, actual desktop camera and use that to showcase some of the stuff they wanted to show off. I enjoyed the thoroughness of the program. So, uh, you know, being able to learn a lot, but also breaking it up over multiple different days, it means I didn't have to take the entire week off, um, but I still got to learn a lot in the process. And the homework that they gave us as well wasn't, you know, it didn't keep you, uh, keep you up or anything. Um, it was very brief, but also enough to help codify whatever you learned during the day. So when you finish boot camp, your actual team, not just the whole organization, because I know there's the whole organization is agile, but your team wasn't doing much scrum. Were you able to apply the skills you learned in other ways with your job? Yes. You know, one thing I didn't really realize and something that became more apparent as I learned more about Scrum is that, you know, really the executive functions are just baked into it. So, you know, being more adaptable, being a better planner, um, you know, having better time management, committing to your workload. Those were all things that I did ultimately apply to my job, even though we didn't do it together as a team. So it made me better at kind of structuring my work, you know, detailing out my work, making sure that it was stuff that I could complete on my own without having to rely on others too much. And, you know, it really also helped me to realize the traits of an actionable task, which is something that, you know, has really helped me today. Um, you know, that's something I really struggled previously was, you know, how do I create an action item? You know, it's really simple. Action items come out of meetings. They're things you need to do, but what are those starting and end points? You know, do I have it be, uh, do I have the task, you know, end when it's ready to be submitted to somebody for review? Do I have them reviewing it be the end of that? It's really small stuff like that, that once you nail down, you know, it helps you to move more quickly with your work because you're not waiting for other people to complete stuff. You know that, okay, I've done everything I can to push this over the finish line. Now I can move on to the next thing and not have to, you know, be bogged down by waiting for other people. That's interesting. So, um, I, you know, appreciate those things too, of course, because we've both been in, uh, in places where there was a lot of dependency and a lot of things going on. So I love the fact that a lot of these skills that you learn when you're learning Scrum and when you're going through a boot camp like this, that they can be applicable to so many different things, not just during doing actual Scrum with a team. Um, so we've found that pretty exciting. A lot of folks around here have like scrummed their moves. So mm -hmm. when they're moving from a house to an apartment, they do that too. So it's kind of interesting. I always ask how you're applying scrum and the principles outside of actual team scrum. So that's really cool. Thanks, Snake. Yeah. It's kind of one of those examples I use whenever I'm explaining it to people is cleaning your room. So mm -hmm. whenever you're cleaning your room, depending on how big of a mess it is, you might just be standing there and being, holy crap, there's no way I can get all this done. This is an absolute mess. But once you start to break it down and say, okay, first I need to clean my bedroom, you know, sweep, mop the floors, make my bed, pick up all the laundry, move on to the bathroom. You know, once you break it up into more incremental tasks like that, no matter how big the actual job is, it seems a lot more manageable after that. Mm-hmm. So in a previous iteration of your team, y'all didn't actively do all of the scrum events. So looking back on that experience, what do you think are the effects of only doing a partial scrum? Yeah, I mean, in general, you know, it's tough to reap all the benefits of something when you're only doing it partially. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, this was a team-based decision of, you know, it was 
contingent upon our bandwidth or client pipeline. And at the time, you know, we didn't want to add more meetings because we felt like we already had a ton of them. And to an extent, we even understood that we were missing out on some of these benefits that we could have had. But, you know, really the core things that, that we, we didn't have. So we didn't do the sprint review. And because of that, we didn't truly really get to appreciate the work that we were doing, but we also missed out on opportunities to understand what some of our other team members were doing. Mm-hmm. This is actually something I learned as well from Scrum, even though it wasn't applied immediately, was just the importance of being cross-functional. So, you know, for most of my life, I really just wanted to be good at one thing. I wanted to be amazing at one thing, but, you know, the more time I've spent in kind of the startup sphere, I've realized it really does benefit you to be really good at one thing, but to be pretty good at a bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one change that we've made to our team that I'm sure we'll get to later. But, um, you know, ultimately, um, we didn't really get to understand the work we were doing. This led to silos forming within our department down the road. So, you know, each project manager has a set number of clients Um, that they're working with. And of course, you know, they're going to understand the nuances of those projects better than anybody else. The politics that are involved, the risks they're facing, other things that might affect their implementation. But, you know, if that project manager was going to take PTO, if they had something happen in the family, you know, we even had an unexpected resignation at one point, it made somebody else stepping in to help with their work very difficult. It was a very big adjustment it required a ton of effort to carry out that transition. Um, and so that's, again, you know, we, we were cross-functional in the sense that we could help each other with, ge- with very generic stuff. But when it ca- came time to kind of swarming on an individual task, we weren't always able to do that because we lacked that general understanding of what everybody was doing. We also didn't have the sprint retro. So that made continuous improvement a bit more difficult because it wasn't something we were routinely talking about. We would have other meetings that kind of focused on, hey, what are some process improvements we want to have within the department? But, you know, it was occasional, maybe on more of like a monthly basis, as opposed to doing it with each sprint. And we also weren't very strict about measuring yesterday's weather or our velocity. So we never truly understood, you know, what our bandwidth was, right? We were more so in the mode of like, hey, this is just stuff we've got to get done. You know, we we're mo- more focused on treading water as opposed to swimming. Uh, you know, ultimately, though, even though there were some things we missed out on, it did do a great job with communication and collaboration. You know, if somebody was having trouble, we were pretty good at swarming a task, making sure it got done. Yeah, yeah. that retrospective and, and the team coming together and figuring out how they can work together better and how they can improve how the team is doing is it's something that, that we found really important here at, at Kavu and I think is probably one of the most important things because if you can improve as a team, your work's going to improve, your velocity is going to improve, and you're just going to be producing more and better work. So that is something, and I know you and I have had a couple of discussions on retrospectives and stuff. So, and as you said, you know, the team's had some changes and some evolution over the past year, and now you're doing all of the Scrum events. So tell me how it's going now. Yeah. So as you mentioned, um, we are implementing Scrum in its entirely. So we now use sprint reviews as an opportunity to understand the work that we're all doing. You know, typically we'll just kind of run down the list since we are in the, you know, software industry, 
you know, our project managers spend a good deal of time configuring software. So we all have a pretty general understanding of what that looks like. But in the event that some, some one of us did something a bit more unique, you know, we, we let them have the chance to kind of show it off to the team. Uh, we also use this as a chance to invite some of our external team members. So people that are not within our department um, so that they can have a better understanding of where our clients are while also giving them a chance to pipe up, you know, if they were working with one of our team members to offer feedback on the work that was done. We also do our sprint retros immediately after our sprint review. So we're, you know, very conscious of, you know, the fact that our project managers already have tons of meetings throughout the week. So we try to be very efficient with our time. And, you know, our sprint retros have gotten so much better. Even just this past week, you know, our retro actually went like, I think two minutes over. But, mm -hmm. you know, I still saw that as a win because people had so much feedback and a lot of people will look at team buy-in and say, okay, they just want to hear everybody say that they like the process. But I think that true team buy-in is a dedication to improving what we already have. People speaking up saying that, hey, I think we could be doing this better because it shows that they care. It shows that they want to see this better and that by offering that feedback, they hope that they can contribute to that. So, Oh, I love that. Yeah, it is very so important to to get people's buy-in, and it does show that everybody cares about the work and cares about their team members and wants to support everybody and make help make everybody better. Yeah, and that's that's the biggest hurdle whenever you're implementing a new process, new software. Um, I know that if my coworkers are listening just right now, they're probably nodding in agreement is that buy-in is the biggest hurdle. If people can get bought in, then you have cleared, in my opinion, the biggest obstacle out of the entire process. I always value team buy-in and it's always what I strive for at the very beginning. Did you guys do anything special to get that team buy-in or how did that come about? Honestly, I think I'm just very lucky to have a really cooperative team. We are all very transparent. You know, we're very good at offering criticism, but doing it constructively. And because we're able to offer constructive criticism in a very polite manner, I suppose, um, you know, we're typically able to avoid people getting hurt feelings or anything, but we always just understand where we're coming from. It's not a personal slight at anybody. It is just with the intention of us getting better as a team, moving forward and becoming more optimized. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Nick. I'm so glad that you joined me on the 16th Minute podcast today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So, well, that's it for us today. Um, again, thank you, Nick. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation and you and I tend to have a lot of conversations like this. So it's exciting to bring some of the the interesting thought processes that we discuss to everybody else. So don't be surprised if I ask you to come back at some point. So the 16th minute next season. Yeah, I'll, I'll be here with my super pleasant conversation. <laughs> All right. Like I said, that's it for us today. As always, for more information about Kavu and our educational opportunity, please visit kavu.co. You can send comments and questions about the 16th minute to creators at kavu.co. And thanks so much for listening today. The 16th minute is brought to you by our sponsor, Sagayo. Start your technology journey and transform your business with Sagayo's innovative business technology services. Visit sagayo.io today. 
This episode of the Kavu 16th Minute is brought to you by Kavu Benefit Corporation. The 16th Minute is hosted by Rebecca Dobrinsky and is produced by Melissa Blanchard. Audio production is done by Melissa Blanchard and Matteo Antello. The logo was created by Melissa Crochet. And our resident scrum master, Matteo Antello, keeps us all in line so we can bring you these episodes.